Are you in need of personal training after a couple of years of lockdowns? Are you an athlete ready to take that next step in your high performance career? Or are you in the market for an injury prevention, prehab and rehab expert? Well, Pyota Health and Performance has you covered. About you, for you, with you. Pyota Health and Performance is your Melbourne-based personal training and high performance company. Servicing the western, eastern and northern suburbs of Melbourne, Pyota Health and Performance is NDIS registered, university degree qualified and ready to take you on your journey to becoming a better you. And exclusively for Almost Blues Brothers listeners for a limited time only, you can get 20% off your first four sessions with the Pyota Health and Performance team by using the code ABB2022. Contact Dan and the team to commence your health and performance journey with Pyota today. Go to Instagram at underscore Pyota, that's at underscore P-I-O-D-A. Email them at trainme at pyota.com.au or call Dan on 0402-978-275. That's 0402-978-275 and remember that code ABV2022. Pyota Health and Performance, about you, for you, with you. So we're at the we're at my sister's wedding. Yeah. Reese, were yeah. you on the were you were you there when my dad tries to do the worm? <sighs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> when was that? Right, here we Is go. That this, is story, this is a story for Reese as well. My dad, in his younger days, like 10 years ago, yeah, whenever he went to parties, he'd rip out the worm and he was actually decent at it. Like he could get some serious like worm action going with this thing. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he had a, he'd had a few to drink. He goes, I'm going to do the worm. I go, all right. So I cleared out everyone from the dance floor. He went to do it. When I say it was the saddest worm you've ever seen, he tried it <laughs> twice, tried it twice, couldn't execute. He gets up, he looks at me, he goes, I've just pulled about four stomach muscles. <laughs> Welcome everyone, you are listening to the Almost Blues Brothers podcast, episode number 56, part of the Blue Abroad podcast network and brought to you proudly by Pyota Health and Performance. That blue bagger swagger just keeps on rolling. Carlton, yes, the Carlton Football Club are a game clear in third spot on the AFL ladder in 2022 with an eight win and two lost ledger after 10 rounds. If anyone in their right mind had to tried to tell me or any of us Carlton supporters that before the start of the season, we would have genuinely had them admitted to a psych ward. Yeah. Crazy. There's a lot to discuss crazy. today from last Friday night. What a win in front of 50,000 blue baggers just partying at Marvel Sta- – just losing our minds at Marvel Stadium. The rotating chair on the podcast is back in Jules's absence over the next few weeks. Today, me and Dan, we're rejoined by my personal favourite on the podcast. Bad luck to Matt Fashini, who if, if he's listening in, you're not you're not my favourite. You could you can get stuffed. Mr. Reese Miller, welcome back, mate. Nice. That's that's a nice little pump up you've given me, Joe. Uh, thanks for having me, lads. I think my last hey, episode Ed. was um, last episode was after the Gold Coast game. So much happier to be joining you now after what, you know, in my time as a Carlton supporter, feels like the biggest win or the biggest reception to a win that, that we've had for, you know, 20 years at least. Joe, you should have said our personal oh, See, there you go. 
Hey, and it, it's by popular demand. He gets asked about every other week. When's Reese back? This and that. So you guys trying to get me back in as a permanent fixture with these words? Is that what this is? <laughs> well, Joe, Joe and I, Joe and I did have a conversation about Jules being on a really, really, really thin thread at the moment. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> he's walking. He's walking a thin line. Very. Well, it's only a matter of weeks until he's back in the room with you. So, <laughs> can't see how that goes. No, it's always good to have you back on, mate. It, and like you said, you joined us in the second half of last year to fill in with Jules. For anyone that that is a new listener, Reese Reese came in to cover for Jules. Uh, after Jules left for Spain, who will be back in five weeks' time. Um, but Reese jumped in as the third co-host, and uh, you only really did losses at the end of the day. So it's nice to have you on after a good win, man. Like yeah, you know, it's right. a different vibe. It's a very different vibe. That's right. And I was thinking maybe this year when I, I chimed in in round four, here we go, I can start talking about some good, decent footy that the Blues are playing. And lo and behold, we get spanked by the Gold Coast up at their ground. So we had to sort of trudge our way through that. But no, nah, can't, can't talk about it today. Nah, Friday it's gonna night, mate. It's going to be good. Dan, coming off a big weekend, man. Your engagement party. Bide my sister's wedding. We're all a little bit dusty, to be honest. We, we look a little bit a little bit flat, if I'm being fair. No, we're all Oh no. Oh, what's happened here? His his internet's cut. This is this is what I've got to deal with Dan's every week. <laughs> Dan, your internet just cut out completely, man. We'll talk about the wedding then, Joe. Maybe well, that's, why, well. maybe that's well, why you had some affection for me just now, because we shared some nice words on Saturday night over a few beers. While we're waiting for Dan to sort his internet issues out, and I'm just gonna let him know. Uh, he's, he's gone completely now, hasn't he? Hold on, here he is. He's back. There we go. That's why I don't like StreamYard. I don't know why it does this. Oh, well. You're back. Engagement anyway, party. I was saying the engagement party, which was a great night, evidently came secondary to the party that we had on Friday night. <laughs> That's the way I see it. That's the priorities in yeah. my life at the moment. I was literally about to say the same thing to Reese about my sister's wedding, which was a great night, but my God. Marvel Stadium on Friday, 50,000 people, just genuinely, and we're going to talk about that second quarter in great depth, but I've never been so excited and genuinely, probably for the first time, properly felt at that point, you know what? This is real. Like, it actually hit me dead in between the eyes. This is as real as it gets right now for us. This club this club is giving all of us, all 81,000 members, something to smile about in a big, big way. I know my, my expectation was just, as a bare minimum, make top eight. What I'm seeing at the moment is exceeding that in the biggest way I've ever seen in my whole life. 100%. You said it at the top, Joe. Not, not even the most optimistic Blues fan in the world would have pegged us to be at a game clear on, on third on the ladder at round 10 of the season. We, we could go into the bye, potentially, at what, nine and two? Nine and two. And we're going to talk about the pies. We're going to preview the pies at the end of this. But you reflect on this time last year at round 10. We're four and six. It was looking dire. Like we just had no – there was no life to the club. 
they were just, we we heard rumblings that they were just about to announce this external review come in and whatnot and it was just like I don't know it just felt like it was never going to end like we couldn't there was no light at the end of the tunnel literally mm. this point 12 months ago and you fast forward to now and I literally for the first time and I can't I'm not saying this because I believe it just yet I'm not here just yet but I've seen a headline that has flag and Carlton in the same sentence for the first time. And for the first time in 20 years, the word white flag isn't in there. Just flag, yes, not white exactly flag. exactly right. <laughs> race, race. I want to ask you a question. Mm. Is this too much by me? Oh, I'd say probably when we kicked our fifth in the second quarter, when everyone was, after everyone was quiet, me standing up and yelling, we are the best team in the competition. <laughs> I think at that point in time, we were. 100%, Thank you very much. 100%. At that, that level of football, and I think I said this to you on Saturday, Joe, that level of footy, I think, stands up to any team in the comp. And we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about what happened in the second half. I think okay, we, have to it, but we have to speak about it. But that, that level of footy, for that, it was a 37-minute quarter. Yeah. For, that, for that quarter, was as good as you'll see from anyone this year. I agree. I agree. Before we we and we are going to get into it, we're a lot to discuss, and it's a very very stock standard Carlton based episode again. How's this for some feedback? We've been here around the grounds the last couple of weeks, Pov. Yeah, yeah. We've had messages saying it's the best thing you could have ever done. <laughs> no way. How's that? So for the third week straight, no around the grounds. This is a Carlton podcast, and it's staying that way. How's this? I'm a little bit angry though, because we always ask our listeners to give us feedback. So we would, if they hated it, just tell us. I don't think it's that they hated it. I think it's just the cart they're playing so good. That's all anyone wants to talk about. Man. That's all <laughs> I want to hear. So I don't, want to talk, I don't want to talk about Gold Coast and the dogs. No, not at all. Not at all. So before we, before we get into it, I want to just thank the listeners as always, whether you're uh, someone that's coming back to listen to us or whether you're a first time listener. Welcome. Uh, if you haven't already, you can follow us on Instagram at Almost Blues Brothers. You can use the link tree in our Instagram profile for all your Almost Blues Brothers needs. There's links to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Podcasts, as well as all of our other social platforms like Twitter. And you can email us if you'd like to contact us there. Please also, if you are listening and you haven't already hit that five stars on whatever listening platform you're listening on, it'd be greatly appreciated and definitely helps out the podcast immensely. And while you're at it, you can hit that bell right next to those five stars and subscribe to the podcast on your preferred listening platform to make sure you get all those auto updates when episodes drop. This is it. Round 10 review versus Sydney. Round 11 preview versus the old arch enemy, the Collingwood Football Club. Filth next Sunday at the G. It's a big one. That's a big one before our buy round. So... Boys, we've got we've got a massive show today. But without any further ado, Reese, let's get into it. Like we said, there's no we're not mucking around today. How's it? There's not even segments today. No stick says, no pov predicts, none of this rubbish. Oh, been it. The only thing we need to talk about is this great, and we can actually say this, this proud, great football club 
that we've supported our whole lives. And I'm 27, Dan's 30. Reese, you're what, 25, 26? Yeah. 27. That's a compliment, though. Thanks. Are you 27 as well? There you go. <laughs> At the end of the day, none of us in our time, none of us, and this is fact, none of us in this podcast right now have ever seen the Blues start a season eight and two and sit a game clear in third on the ladder, boys. Agreed. It's it is genuinely just incredible. So last Friday, as we always do, we'll start with the match report and then we're just going to get straight into it with your thoughts, boys. It was an absolute demolition job of the Swans in in basically one one and a, a bit quarters of football. Final score, Red, 15-12, 102 to the Blues, 13-9-87 to the Swans. Goal kickers for the Swans, Luke Parker, Justin McInerney, Errol Goulden with one each, Haywood Franklin with two each, Papley and Logan McDonald with three. And for the Blues... Owies, Motlop, Kennedy, DeConning, Cripps, one each. Fisher and Dirds, two each. And Prince Charles, he loves Marvel. He had five and a half time, finished with six. Injuries, the only one uh, that was there for the match was, and we're, we're going to talk about this too because it was a bit of instant karma for this bloke, Josh Kennedy for the Swans, hammy after he decided to just have a crack at Doc, but came off second best. Doc finished off the game and Kennedy was subbed off. So, boys. You can't break a brick wall. You can't. You can't. Boys, <laughs> start wherever you want, man. It's the biggest win we could have asked for. It's crazy, wasn't it? It's crazy. I mean, we'll, obviously, we'll start with the first quarter, but, like, we, we spoke about it just before. It's And I think Nick Rewalt said it on Fox Woody about how that scoreline at quarter time was a false economy because we came out of the blocks in that quarter. And I think it was obvious if you were at the ground, you saw the way that we were dominating across all all three lines and um and i think that the scoreline really flattered them and that's what set us up in the second quarter to just go bang nine times in a row actually <laughs> when we are on we play a ferocious clinical brand of football that buries teams we saw in one quarter of footy oh, i said to joe reese the, the after the game i have not stopped thinking about that second quarter and when you're at the game you realise how intense and how insane of a brand of football that we play. It's it's damaging. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. And I was so I was I went with my old man and and um, a couple other family members as well. But when I was there, I, I turned around and I said to my old man that it's just it's unstoppable because it's so quick. Like we score so so quickly, and you blink an eye, fifteen minutes of game time passes, and there's another six goals on the score. We get we get the ball inside fifty. Oh, I can't even describe how many times we get the ball in there, and then when we lose it, we have the endeavour to get it back ASAP. You know, it's it's mm. it's I can't. This is just fuck. <laughs> Dan can't contain himself. Look at him. Look at him. He's. I've Not never him, seen him. I've actually never seen him so happy talking about this club. It's no, hey. Sort of. We're almost at a loss for words, aren't we? All three of us. Well, at, at the end of the day, I look at it like this, right? Teams don't do what we did to Sydney ever in that second quarter. That doesn't happen to Sydney. They're, they are so well-drilled, well-oiled, just so disciplined as a football club and an organisation that that I can't remember the last time that happened to Sydney. What we did in that second quarter, it was like it was yeah, surreal. Yeah. But at the same time, like I said at the start of the show, it hit you between the eyes because you went, we're doing this to a legit side. Like, they weren't even close, man. 
They didn't not get close that, to us. Joe, not only that, think about they kicked straight. Yeah. Mm. Like that seven, kept seven them goals in straight it. to half time for them. Correct. The fact that they kicked straight kept them in it. Otherwise, it would have been even more of a blowout. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, I had the exact thing written here. I said, that is the biggest margin that Sydney have conceded in a quarter of football since 2004, in almost 20 years of football. That's the biggest margin they've conceded in a quarter. And like you said, it could have been worse if they weren't kicking straight a goal. It could have been and, so and much we worse. Were. In the, like in the first quarter, I think we started off the game one goal five, was it? Yeah. One goal four? Yeah, it was. So the, the damage wasn't done when it probably could have been in the first quarter. And, yeah, I mean, it was just – it was phenomenal to watch. And it was one of those kind of – like you were saying, Joe, it was almost like you pinch yourself going, shit, this is actually real. All these players that we've been told are really good for the last five years, they're actually really good. And they're playing together as a unit. And it was – yeah, it was phenomenal to watch. And oh, also to be part of that was one of those kind of – I feel like one of those moments as a supporter base that you remember because that well, place was rocking. Like I, I want to ask you both. I want, I want to ask you both on the way to the ground. So the day for me, I was, I was it, the anticipation to get to the bounce that night throughout the whole day. I just couldn't contain myself. I just wanted to get to the ground to, to get this game started. How was uh, the nerves built up and whatnot? I didn't know what to expect. The fifth on the ladder, it's probably the biggest test we've had since Frio, really, this, this year. And I just didn't want to see us fail and then validate so many other people's opinions of you haven't played anyone, you haven't beaten anyone. How were your feelings going into the game before it even started? Uh, I mean, I was – I wasn't ner- like nervous as such because I thought, you know, that – as much as people would use that as a way to validate what they've been saying about us not having faced an actual contender or a decent side, I did think that, like circumstantially, that was kind of up against us. We were coming off a five-day break, in, in, you know, after a pretty brutal game against GWS, we ended up sort of running away with it a little bit, but it was it was pretty tightly contested for a few quarters there. So I was thinking, you know, if there is a game where the boys might not be quite on top of things, it, it's probably going to be this week. And, you know, Sydney have also got a point to prove that they're a top four side. So I wasn't nervous as such, but I wasn't expecting um, what was, you know, eventually to come, which was an absolute drumming in the first and second quarter. So, yeah, I don't think I had the same nerves that you did, but I wasn't uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting to see the output that we did. I'll shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Because I thought things kept running through my head. Short turnaround. We played Sunday. Game Friday, you know, they're probably one of the best sides we've faced thus far. And I'm thinking this is a big game for us to announce ourselves once again to the whole competition that we're not now a top eight side, we're a top four side. And I I just wanted us so badly to prove and show everyone what we're about with the injury list that we've got. And that I was I wanted us to start like a house. We're talking about it, Joe, so many times that we need to start well. We need to start well. And although they were only a point up in the in the first, we started like a house on fire. You could see there was an, there was an intensity that we we're bringing that everyone knew that once it clicked and we started hitting the scoreboard and putting scoreboard pressure, we're going to run away with this game. And that, that settled my nerves seeing that we, you could tell. Within the first couple of minutes, you could tell that we're up for it and we're ready to go. Well, that is... Yeah, go I was going to say, that's one of the biggest developments, I think, in this side for this season when you look at it compared to last, is that that's a non-negotiable, consistent 
within each and every game is that the effort and the intent is there from like we haven't we haven't really started a game slowly apart from the Frio and the Gold Coast games where there was a couple of I guess things that happened that maybe set the boys off. But apart from that, the intent and even in those games where the intent was there, but it just wasn't clicking. The intent yeah, has been really there every single week. And I guess right. that's one of the greatest improvements you could ask for. You're right. Even in those games, the intent was there. We just weren't really executing, like, to begin yeah. with. And you're right. A couple of things did, didn't did go our way. Like, Kripa got injured in that Gold Coast game pretty quickly, came off, and yeah, did yeah, I got injured yeah. in that Freo game. So, yeah, like, if if it, if it if all things considered, you're right. In the eight wins, as long as nothing's really thrown us off, we've started like a house on fire every, every week. And people can say what they want. Sure, Sydney won the first quarter on the scoreboard. They didn't win the quarter. They no. they were nowhere near winning that quarter in reality. We we won that first quarter by a country mile. They were lucky they kicked straight. And yeah. they were lucky that we didn't. And we went in at quarter time at three goals five and not maybe six goals two, like it could have easily been. Um in that in that quarter, I remember watching back the replay, uh Nick Rewalt and Gary Lyon said that we broke the record for the year for the biggest post-clearance contested possession differential at plus 22 in a quarter. And what that means is that not only were we winning the ball at the source because we won the clearances as well for the quarter, we were winning at the source. But if we didn't and it was in dispute, that post-clearance work where the pressure was just relentless from us after the fact allowed us to win the ball on our second and third efforts and go forward. It was just – it was dominant. We set it at the ground. Dan, I remember turning to you. I remember turning to my dad and I went – we, we actually just murdered them, and the scoreline flatters them massively, the fact that they're in front here. If we start or if we take this into the second quarter, we're about to blow this game open, and my God, blow it open. Yeah. Could, genuinely could not have asked for any more. Like, you couldn't have even dreamed that that was going to happen in that second quarter. We're all in shock. Honestly, in the stadium, I think every Carlton supporter was just looking around, going, "What are What are we looking at? <laughs> what do we do?" <laughs> yeah, well, no one knew what to do. But you know what? And if you look at the first quarter, it was actually our individual skill errors that, on transition, killed us. That hmm. that's that's what killed us. So at the end of the day, we're a young side. We're still a young side, and we're going to mature. And that makes us – that's got to make every Carlton supporter so excited for the next five to ten years, seriously. Absolutely. We, I think I, I might have said it to you, Joe, that this year is sort of um, a learning year is how I would approach it as, as a fan. And I'm pretty sure I've heard Michael Voss say that – I think they use the words they use is it's transformational this year. So we'll probably talk about it when we speak about the second half, but the, the idea that the game style isn't sustainable and that's something that, you know, over the course of this year and next year I'm sure will be adjusted. But – what I was so pleased with is that the game style and the avenues to goal were so varied in that second quarter. Mm. We had Chuck taking huge contested marks and, and kicking goals as a key forward. But then we had this lively fleet of young forwards, young small forwards, sorry, that were just killing them at the ground level. So it's like if you, when we get Harry Fitt, what, what defensive six is going to be able to combat the two posts that we've got in Harry and Charlie and then also have the, the mobility and the agility to combat Jesse Motlop, Matt Owies, Durden. It's just when it's clicking, it's pretty pretty amazing to watch. Well, this is what I mean. Like we didn't have Charry, uh, Harry. It was just Charlie, right? Charlie, and he was like coming. Charry, don't mind it. He was coming up against the McCartan brothers, who have 
genuinely held their own as a very, very solid key defensive duo in Sydney's back six all year. They haven't been easy to break. And Charlie just went, I'll take both of you. Well, it's no issue. <laughs> I'll kick five in the first yeah. half, break the game was, open and put it to bed. I think it was halfway through the second. I think it might have been the younger McCartan. He was rattled. Like, you, at, at the ground watching what was ha- taking place off the ball when we might have had a look on the wing, he was rattled. He Honestly, he had no idea where to position himself, didn't know what to do when the ball was in the air, didn't know how to combat Charlie aerially. It was amazing to watch. Because I... I being a Carlton fan, you've seen Harry do that, but he's getting double teamed because Charlie hasn't been out there. But to see Charlie just take a defender on like that and say, no, nah, mate, I've got you measured. You're, you're going to the bench soon. It's awesome. Yeah, that's right. But to, to again, the you know, our small forwards, I, I was culprit of this. I, I would say, you know, with Harry out, Charlie's going to have to deal with two and, it's you know, who's going to score our goals. But if you look at the way and the movement of our small forwards – to, there was a clear passage of play where we were getting the ball inside 50, I think, on the wing, and always actually made a run to, to the to the goal square that took McCartan out of it that left uh, Charlie one out. And it was just that, like, the fact that our smalls are so damaging that someone like Paddy McCartan's got to worry about Matt Owies just shows how damaging we are inside, sure. inside 50. Yeah, and it's almost an because you're talking about that without um, without Harry in the picture. It's kind of an extension of what I reckon they did so well last week, and why I was so pleased that we we're almost able to combine the two styles of scoring in having against GWS Charlie. I feel like his entire role was to combat in there, neutralize the contest, and let the smalls go to work, and that worked perfectly. He didn't get much return, but we ended up winning in that second quarter. He was winning in the air. But then we were also winning on the ground. And when you, when you put them both together, you end up kicking nine goals in a quarter because you've got two super, super efficient and strong ways to go. It was, oh, just, it was, yeah, it was awesome to see. Sydney, Sydney as a whole, they were at sixes and sevens to start that quarter. In the first 12 minutes, we kicked five goals straight. We put five goals on them in 12 minutes. And that's not 12 minutes of football. It was seven minutes of game time, 12 minutes of real time. Mm. We put five straight on a side that is, like I said, well-disciplined. And it, it came off the back of... Like you said, not just not just the pressure inside our forward fifty. It was across the ground, wherever the ball was, we were there. Our pressure factor and our pressure rating in the second quarter was two hundred and seventy-seven. That is off the charts. Like wow, I don't think I've ever seen something over two thirty. Two seventy-seven is unheard of, and it allowed us repeat entries inside fifty, repeat entries from stoppage, repeat entries from Sydney trying to break down our zone defensively. It was 20 to 7 inside 50s in the quarter. 20 to 7. We had 20 inside. We had, for for context, we had 49 for the game. We had 40% of our inside 50s within one quarter of football. And it allowed us to kick nine goals from it. We went at almost 50% scoring efficiency at the same time. Like, Like you said, like both of you said, there is no team, no team, that could have come up against us on Friday night in that second quarter and not have had nine kicked on them like we did to Sydney. No one in the competition. No yeah. one at all. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Up, up until this point of the season, you've sort of, or I personally have kind of thought, yeah, you know, there's signs and maybe they're playing out of their skin, but it's getting to the point now where the capability of the team to score like that so heavily, so quickly is so evident that this isn't – it's not a one-off. It's not the team having a purple patch for half an hour. This is 
there's a system in place and there, there are players that are skilled enough to execute this consistently and Spot they're doing on. it consistently. Don't worry about don't worry about the sustainability of that game style and whether we can push out four quarters because we're letting teams back in. That'll come. But they've got a skill set and a system in place that allows them to slam on goals super and, quickly and not many teams can defend that yet, Manny. No. How many, how many times as Carlton supporters did we sit there and see an opposition team in the last two, three years put six or seven on us in a, in a quick period of time? And as a supporter of that club, you're going, game's done. We can try our hardest here and pull off a miracle potentially, but you can't allow six or seven goals straight in such a short period of time. We're now doing that to teams. And it's on the back of that system that Voss has been able to develop. And I'll tell you, man, like the guy needs that much credit. Did you? I don't know if you boys saw it after the game. Did you see Diesel? Getting around him and yeah, yeah, unbelievable crowd yeah. just loving it. Diesel just loving. It. You could just see the love for the guy and the way that he's transformed this club. We've got yeah. we've got twenty two Michael Vosses out there. We've got twenty two <laughs> Michael Vosses. Genuinely, we play that 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 style of footy that he played when he was playing. It's it's sensational. But um, boys, like I said, a lot to get excited about. But you mentioned improvement in that area where, and and I've said it before, where if you have clear clearly defined roles anyone can step in look at jesse motlock the kid looks like he's played two three years like he just fits in like a glove and i don't see him coming out of the side i don't see i don't see someone like josh honey coming in unless we lose and unless there's you know what i mean so i think it's it's a credit again to to the coaching staff credit to the players to because they've got to execute at the end of the day i think again one of the biggest areas in which we improved is that when teams teams are always going to get a run, they're always going to have their 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 patch, but we keep them at bay. We can nullify, we can nullify that now. And if they kick two or three, we'll kick one or two. You know, and that's huge. We and I think that's it. the point. That's that's the point with the second half, right? So you know, sure, it was a it was a fade out, and I say that in inverted commas because I want to put a couple of caveats around this, right? We essentially split the game with them two quarters each, right? Sydney are a good side. They're not They're not a, a rubbish side that we're sitting here going, you can't let – we're not saying you can't let North Melbourne in like that because we didn't against North. We're not saying you can't let Adelaide in because we didn't against Adelaide. Sydney were always going to come at us, always. And I know, Dan, you're going to talk about um, some of the stats and break down the team stats and whatnot because it, it, it sort of does reflect how hard Sydney came at us in that second half. When you build a 40-point lead, 50-point lead, to lose that game, the opposition team has to work double as hard as you did in that first half. We've done that four times this year against the Dogs, against Hawthorne, against Port Adelaide, against Sydney. None of them have been able to get the win. None of them. It just doesn't happen. Nine times out of ten, you're going to win that game. That's what we've seen time and again. But I don't think these fade-outs are an issue. you got to look at the big picture here, and this is the one thing I looked at after the game, and it's something that you actually said to me, Reese. Last week, let alone this week, we were the third youngest team in the we, – we fielded the third youngest team in the AFL last week against the Giants, and we came back hard in that second half, right? So we came back at them to make sure that we extended our lead and put the game away when it needs to be put away. This week, of the 22 players that were fielded, half of them, 11 of them, were under the age of 23. Oh, I wasn't aware of that many. That's amazing. 11 players – 23 and under. Now, if you're sitting there as a Carlton supporter going, why are we fading out? Don't overthink it. Like, we've got players, we've got kids in here that 
may not know how to run out a full game of AFL at this point if they're coming in to play a role while you've got the likes of Williams, McGovern, McDonald all on the sidelines that are best 22 players for us. These kids are coming in. Sure, they're showing that they might run out of, you know, a bit of steam, but the other 11, <laughs> which we can rattle off, Cripps, Kerno, Chera, Hewitt, whoever, they're there putting them on their back and going, don't worry, boys, it's getting tough, and it did get tough, but we've got you. We'll stand the flow. That, that whole summary that you've just given us can be personified in one player, and I reckon you know who that is, Jacob Wiedering. Yeah. He, he, how calming is he in, as, as your last man in defence? And you see what he did to Buddy Franklin, you know, the, the best forward of the last 25 years. He's just so reassuring. And you go back there and you, and you just think, and I would imagine you feel this way as, you know, a, a Durden or a Motlop or a, an Owies or one of those younger players that, you know, thinks, oh, shit, we're running out of legs here. What's going to happen? He stands up and he goes, no, 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 this is fine. This is fine. They're going to come. They're always going to come. But we've got, you know, eight or nine of us here that aren't going to let anything happen. Doherty's another one. And it's just, yeah, you, you think that, you know, these are lessons that are going to be taught to these younger kids and it puts us in a great place. But at the end of the day, in that third and fourth, I was looking at it. Don't get me wrong. I was a bit nervous with the way in which they did come at us. But maturity is a big thing. And once these players mature, they get more games under their belt. Like, again, someone like Lewis Young, you know, he made that, remember that kick that he, he messed up that went straight to Logan McDonald. You clean those things up, a bit of maturity with this group. And, you know, we belt teams. And like you mentioned, Reese, that then we'll implement that game. You know what? You don't even need to implement the way in which you played in that second. You don't even need to implement it for four quarters. I'm telling you. No, you, you do don't. That, no, you, you, do don't. That, you do that for two and you blow teams out. Spot on. It's 100%, 100% true. And it's what I said at the start. If you build a 40, 50 point lead, you're rarely ever going to lose that game. Rarely. Yeah. And I say that in the position that we're in because I've now seen that we've got players that know how to win. So as long as we don't lose more keeper, like if we lose a Cripps or a Kerno or... Hewitt, sure. It's going to, like, there's only so far your depth can be stretched. And I think we're stretched at this point, but there's reinforcements coming back in. Like, they're very close, some of these players. You know, we've got Stocker back this week. Jack Martin Much could be back thing. next week. You know, like, we've got some reinforcements coming back in. Harry's still to come back. If we lose any more, sure, it's going to be tough, but... With the players we've got out there, man, Weedering, Cripps, Walsh, when you need when you need someone to call on, you can look at any line in the ground and go, we need you to step up right now. And Weeders did it. Walsh did it. Hewitt did it. Charlie Doherty. did it. Doherty did it when we needed him to. The, I mean, top six rated players for the Blues on the ground. Walsh, Hewitt, Charlie Curnow, Adam Saad, another one, Sam Doherty, Nick Newman, who we spoke about last week. Six. And I, I know Walsh, I know Walsh and Charlie are in there, but six veteran heads, really, with the way they play. That if Jesse Motlock fades out, which he did after the second quarter, he was electric in that second quarter. Kicked one goal, three. But if those younger players do fade out, we've got that many players to look to to go give us something, like just give us a little lift and stem the flow, like you said, Paul. We stem the flow. I think three or four times in that second half, we stem that flow of two or three goal runs. It didn't turn into six or seven. Hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's so promising. And like I was saying, these are all lessons that those guys like Motlock, Dirt and Oes, the younger brigade of, of players that when we're firing early on in games, they're the ones that are sort of pushing it as much as any others. Like Corey Durden's second quarter was phenomenal. He was knackered by the end of the game and there was a couple of skill areas that he 
um, he was responsible for, but you can't put that on his shoulders. He's a young kid. He's going to get better with every preseason that goes through him. But he'll learn these lessons from Doherty and Weedering and the guys that are able to say, you know what, they've kicked two or three goals. We'll, we'll tighten the screws here and we'll, and we'll take control of things again. So it, it puts us in great stead. Well, you can see it. Like in that third, they kicked one, and I kicked two, sorry, and we responded with two. You know, we, we finished the quarter in that third, still 20, 20 or 18 points up, you know, yep. and that's three, four goals. Um, so, like I said, we have the answers at the moment. And as I've always wanted, there's that there's that plan B that you can rely on now. Yeah, great. And, uh, and, uh, and we've got it. But now the difference is we've got a plan A that's damaging. You know, yeah. beyond damaging, exactly. beyond, like, ri- ridiculous. Like, you know. We can talk about that second quarter as, as much as you want, but teams just don't do that to Sydney. There's a player that we mentioned pre-show, Reese, that you actually gave me an interesting stat about, Zach Fisher. Who yeah. We've spoken I mean, about, we've sp- sorry, we spoken about him last couple of weeks on this podcast, but I didn't realise that he was as good as what you're about to tell us. Yeah. I mean, I, this was pointed out to me from a from a mate of mine this morning. It was an article that was published on the AFL, and um it was one of those clickbait articles just talking about who is the best kick in the competition. And it, went, it broke down all of the um, statistics and the different different types of kicks, you know, kicks over 40 metres, kicks under 40 metres, kicks on your opposite foot, kicks leaving D50, kicks uh, entering the forward 50, all of that. And if, if you look at all of the categories combined, so the best overall kick in the competition, it's our man Zach Fisher. So that just shows the impact of, of him being pushed up the ground. He is statistically, literally, the most damaging player by foot. And how good is that? And how, how old is he? He'd be 24? Yeah, about 24, I think. But, Dan, I mean, we, we spoke about this last week where we said there's not really any other player other than maybe Shea Bolton that's been as damaging in a similar role this year that we could think of. There's, don't worry about yeah. your Caleb Daniels and whatnot. The numbers speak for themselves now. He's the best kick in the comp. Mm. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And you can see how damaging, not only that, I think he had 10, well, he's in my votes. Yeah. And the reason why is he had 10 score involvements and he's hitting the scoreboard. I think it's the third consecutive week that he's kicked two. Well, not only just kicked two, this is, this is the second game this year, including that Richmond game in round one, where he's hit the scoreboard at a time where, yep, needed someone to, to ice the game and just put it away. Zach Fisher stepped up. He's a big moments player. Like he has proven that now on multiple occasions. For multiple sure. occasions. Best kick in the comp. He's his importance to the side is just growing every week. It's growing every week. It's insane. It's, it is you feel like it's a byproduct of like being in these winning positions more often. These players are getting more confidence. This isn't a surprise to Carlton supporters. We've seen Zach Fisher and the stuff that he can do for the last four or five years. Yeah. He's always been silky. Like he's I've always thought he was an absolute freak. I remember there was that quarter against West Coast maybe two years ago when he kicked four in the space of about 10 or 15 minutes. So we've always known he's had something. But now, like we were just saying, these these young players are just getting so much confidence off the back of that 10 or 11 experienced core group just steadying the ship and steering it in the right direction. And these guys are going, all right, let's express ourselves. We're young footballers with with 10 guys that are backing us up that have been here and doing it for 10 years. Let's go for it. Let's just take all the shackles off and and give it hell. And it's paying dividends. And this is where – go, Pov. Sorry. No, I was going to say, and like what Joe mentioned before, don't look into the stats at the end of the game and and think that, oh, well, we didn't win clearances and we didn't win – because at the end of the day, that doesn't have a reflection on how dominant 
we were first and second quarter. And at the end of the day, for me, you look at stats like errors. And I think we won, you know, we, we were we were a lot cleaner with the footy. Um, likewise, efficiency inside 50 and these things here. But like I said, they they rectified how dominant we were in the second, in the first and second. And by looking at the stats of the game, it doesn't have a justification of that, you know? Yeah, it, it was a weird one actually talking about clearances. I think this is the first time this year without Pitto as Ruck that we won the hitouts but lost the clearances. It was just, it was a weird, weird night where usually we come on here and we speak about, yeah, you know, the the, the opposition Ruckman towed us up, but the, we won the clearances by 12 or 13. This that's exactly what you were, Sorry, that's exactly what you were saying at the start of the podcast is that we dominated in that post-clearance contested ball. We weren't necessarily winning the clearances and winning that part of the ground, but it's the effort across the entire footy field that, that got, got us over the line in the end. And it was that post-clearance contest that we just dominated. Uh, and if you want to, if you want to, if you want to just highlight one with a stat, I know we're saying not don't read into the stats too much, but that pressure around the ground, 60 tackles laid for the game. Yeah. That's a that is a monster number. Monster. Mm. Yeah, I was about to say exactly that. On hitouts, now I, I know maybe it's too early that we've gone into individual players, but Tom DeConning, the the way this guy has responded from, we'd say, the, a, a lesson by Jared Witts, each week I've seen this kid genuinely get better and better. And, mm. and he hasn't gone into his shell. He's literally embraced it and gone and, and, and tackled every single, you know, last week he played against Bruce. Um, and, again, you, you could see that he learned from, from that Witts from that game against Wits, and I, uh, uh, you know, he 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 was sensational. That fourth quarter, those marks that he took, huge. I'm so that was so crucial. And like I said, the kids developing, um, boys, let's just be patient with him and give him time because he's learning. 100%. 100%. He's learning very quickly, very quickly. I, um, I need to admit that I probably had him wrong in the in the game against Sean Darcy. I was thinking he's not quite ready. How's he going to handle the pressure? He doesn't really have a choice. He's going to have to step up and be number one ruck, and I think he's going to have a pretty rough trot of it. But he's just maturing week to week, and I'm happy to be wrong and have a bit of egg on my face about that because that last quarter, those four contested marks were they were crucial. Yeah, like I'm, I'm going to put I'm going to put my hand up. I'm going to put my hand up as well. I I, I said after. We had a discussion. Maybe you were here for this one, Reese. Where I said he's a forward. He's not a ruckman. Don't try and turn him into a yeah. ruckman. He's, he's a forward first and a, and a pinch hit second, mate. Kids played thirty-one games now, and like you said, since that Wits and Darcy lesson that he copped, hasn't put a foot wrong. Even against Bruce, like, he got bodied off it against Bruce a couple of times, but he came back. Like he he held his own. He came back all day. He beat him around the ground. Like it just for someone that's played thirty-one games, it's super super impressive, Tom. He's understanding. He's understanding how to now deal with different bodies, or you know, uh, and and like I said, it's just good to see the Messiah get back to everyone loving him again. No, well, it was great. It was great. I've, I've actually got a stat here because you were talking about how um, well, it's not really a stat. It's just our standings, you know, amongst the competition. You were talking about how when you looked at the statistics of the game, Dan, that we were cleaner. And that just made me think of, I, I saw this today because I've sort of been watching a little bit just out of interest. We're leading the disposal count 
in the league. So Carlton is um, Carlton's on top of that table and we're clear by over 100 disposals. So we're doing it pretty easily. And we're above the Dogs and Melbourne. So two pretty handy teams. But not only that, we're actually sitting second for disposal efficiency. So we're running at 76% off the back of 3,931 disposals. So when you're operating with that wow. quantity of ball use at that quality, you're going to be setting yourself up to win games. And it's it's happening. And this is all stuff that we've been crying out for for how many years? So it's you're kind of pinching yourself when you're, you're seeing it all come together from players that you knew had it in them that oh, are now executing. Yeah, it's it, it's insane. The we've spoken about it each week, but the progression and and how quickly that we're watching, like we're just seeing it every week. Something new evolve in our game style, and something new come up to go. Like it, it shouldn't be progressing at the rate that it's progressing. No one, no one would have picked it, but it's there and it's real and it's and it's there for everyone to see. And we're doing it without key personnel. We're not here. At five and five, going, yep, that's where we expected to be, and we've got injuries. We're eight and two, and we've got injuries like mm-hmm. some serious mm-hmm. ones. All right, mate, injuries. take the Coleman medalist out of any side in this competition, any other side, and tell me you'd have him at eight and two at round 10. It, it, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's insane. Coleman medalist, your number one Ruckman, and you know. Arguably, well, definitely the most important intercept defender in the team. And, you know, there could have been a case made as the most important defender full stop. Liam Jones's form last year was ridiculous. Yeah. Take those, take those three out of your side. Those are the key pillars directly up the spine of the ground. And you're sitting eight and two. No one would have believed you. Crazy. No way. And, and eight and two and have just beaten and beaten to a pulp a legitimate side in this competition. Legit side yeah. with a good yeah. culture and good systems and good coaches and good players. Mate. We're the real deal. There's, it, I, I, we can say it. We are genuinely the real deal in this competition. And unless it goes tits up or belly up from here, you can see it in the media this week. Everyone, Everyone's convinced now. Everyone's getting on the Blues bandwagon as their second team. Everyone's looking at the Blues going, mate, these guys could play in a prelim. Like these, these are the sort of things that we're hearing. Not saying, we're not saying this shit anymore. Mm. This is in the media. You got media saying we could win a flag. We could play in a prelim. They've got all the makings of a side that could play in a grand final. Mate, this is la- this is genuine dreamland. I, yeah. No one, no it one is. in their right mind. It's, it's hard to be, it's hard to be negative about the things. I and mean, we've spoken about a little bit the fade out in the game. And I personally, I think it is a problem and it is an issue that will be addressed. But I'm not stressed about it. I'm not stressed because I know that's something that will be addressed. And it's something that if it's a problem that persists, there's a, a pretty capable coaching team that I've got full trust in now because I've seen the proof of it. That'll get addressed. But right now, when you look at where we're at, no one was expecting this. So if, that, if that's the drawback, that we're establishing huge leads and they're coming back, but they're still winning, if that's the drawback, fuck, I'll take that. And that's that's going to hold us in good stead in finals because in finals, the momentum swings quickly and you need to learn how to stem that flow. We're doing that in the season and we're winning. We've won all four games where that's happened. We're not losing yeah. going, okay, we've got to learn, we are, learn from that for next time. We're getting better at it as well. But if you actually look at the way that those swings have happened, Hawthorne and Port Adelaide, they were sort of week after week, weren't they? From, yeah. They, they, they were drastic swings. And they when we watch those games, you go, okay, here comes the wave. And it, we, we looked like we didn't really have the answers. The most recent one, Sydney, we did have the answers. Yep, and we did send the play. And they kicked two, we kicked one. They might have kicked two, we kicked one. So you can see the improvement is there and it's happening. What's to say That's in six it. weeks' time, that, that floor is completely eradicated and we're just... Yeah, it's exciting. No, exactly. Dan's excited. What, Dan's what, excited. 
Dan's excited about something. He's been waving. No, because I wanted to, like I said to you before, I want to keep emphasizing the fact of how dominant that second quarter was. And as you mentioned before, no, no, no. You mentioned before I've got some stats, and I do. So, for example, in that second quarter, how's this? 25 tackles to 13. And we had how much more of the ball? Well, in, from, a, from, a, from a clearance perspective, we were 21 to 7. They like just stupid numbers, ridiculous. Yeah. ridiculous, and that's obviously then with kicking nine goals in the quarter. Like that's that's there's your stats. That's mm. how dominant yeah. it was. You know, we had twenty scoring shots to half time. Twenty. There are yeah. teams in this competition that don't have twenty scoring shots in a game. Mm. Like this is what we're saying. You, you do that for a quarter and a bit. You've basically played. You, you've shrunk down four quarters into two. And you've basically just dominated a side in a much quicker fashion than what most sides would. Oh, it's just Boys, it's, we had seven. We had seven center clearances to three. Like, just I don't even want to talk about how many, how much more disposals we had. By the time I calculate it, it will be I'll be in three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good wrap. I think that's a good review for for what was. A very, very special win. Very special night. Boys, votes. Dan, start with you. Charlie, three. Can't go past that. Six goals. Five in, what, five and a half? Yep. What is it? We, we, you know, he was on track for, for 10. Um, and Lynch is injured. So Coleman. Yeah. Up for grab. No, he's two consecutive Coleman's that are different blokes. Oh, <laughs> imagine that. Find, find if that's ever happened. Oh, I reckon so. Ruffhead and Franklin did it one year after another. Okay. Um, been fun. Yeah, sick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> two is Weeders. Again, the guy's just colossal. He's just massive, massive. Intercept marks just on another planet. So I'm giving him two. And then one, it was a toss-up between Walsh and Fish. But I went fish. The guy's playing just some footy. That's it's a it's really really good to watch. And again, he's he's probably one of the most damaging players in our side at the moment. Reese, uh, I mean, yeah, my my three two one looks fairly similar. I actually went the opposite direction of you, and I chose Walsh for my one vote. I reckon he's just he might have been a little bit underdone at the start of the year, but he's just sliding back into that form that we know him for, and his work rate is relentless. He's just super clean below his body, and you can tell now he, alongside Cripps, is becoming the guy that people are looking to to say, how are we going to fix this? And he, nine times out of ten, he does fix it. So, um, I mean, that kind of leads into the second of those three, which is the two votes for Weeders, who pretty much does the exact same thing, but in the form of a defender, took on Lance Franklin and beat him comprehensively, like... Gave him an absolute drubbing. The two goals that Franklin kicked were off the back of skill errors and turnovers where he found himself in two and a half metres of free space purely by accident. And then he got he got a kick where, you know, it's the classic Buddy Franklin goal of having to kick it from 70 metres away from goals. to Which was insane. Which was insane. That's a testament to Buddy because he's a flip, yeah. right? You can't keep him down forever. But I thought Wiedering's strength in the contest, his ability to not only win neutralise them but actually win a couple of really big marks when they were coming was huge and I think a big reason to, to us winning. And I don't really need to speak about it, but Charlie got the three with uh, with six majors. 
I uh, I had similar honourable mentions first. Go to Zach Fisher, Corey Durden. Um, it, it, those two especially. I think they had ripping games and I struggled to get them in. Hewitt as well, another 32 touches. He had seven clearances – or sorry, nine clearances, seven tackles as well. So he was a beast in the middle for us when – especially in that second quarter, 26 pressure acts, stiff to miss out. But – I went one to to Weeders for all the all the reasons that you guys mentioned. He's just a rock in defence. He's someone that you just look to and you know what you're going to get each and every week. Two to Walshy. That's the sixth time this season in ten rounds that he has outrun every other player on the park. Six out of ten. So if that doesn't like if that doesn't tell you the work rate of the kid, uh, don't know. You know, I, I don't know what does. And and that's coming up against. Some pretty hard runners in that Sydney side in Luke Parker, Callum Mills, um, Chad Warner as well. And he outran and him. Using, I think it was a significant think, patch of preseason with Cinder's Moses. So he's uh, coming into the year. Yeah. Exactly right. Pov, you, 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 as a personal trainer, as someone that's an expert on that field, you know how how phenomenal that is to see that. So, oh, quickly. Yeah. so he's just a freak. Two votes for me. And then three, you can't go past the Prince. He's, he, I'll say it now. He's going to win the Coleman, man. He's got Harry to come back into this. He's, he will. He's, he's got Harry to come back into this side. He's doing what he's doing without him. Wait till they have to stop Harry and they forget about Charlie. He's kicking six when he's got two on him. Give him one. I'm going to talk about a defender that's been exposed in the last month of football who he's coming up against this week. He could yep. have a big, big, big week coming up on Sunday. I'm telling you now. So that's – yeah. And in the preview, I'll be sending out a – a message to Liam Stocker. Yep. All right. Well, we're about to get there. As the tally stands for the year in our BNF, the Almost Blues Brothers BNF, Adam Saad in fifth spot on 15 votes. You got Sam Walsh in fourth on 19. Sam Doherty in third on 23. Charlie is up to second on 29 votes. And Paddy Cripps in first still on 44 votes after absolutely just starting the year off in some form that we've never seen. So that's it. For the review, now, as we do every week, she's a superstar, and I met Livy for the first time in person at this game on Friday night. I can say to everyone, and there were a few people that came across us at the game that said hi and appreciate it, but a few people that saw Livy for the first time, and they absolutely loved her. I've never seen someone enjoy themselves more, and this is coming from me and Dan, who enjoy ourselves a lot at the footy. <laughs> Livy, Livy genuinely was like the biggest ball of energy, so happy. Like it was just – it was actually nice to share that night with Livy. First time I met her. So without any further ado, as you do every week, Livy's last word. This is what I thought about the game. I'm so happy we won against Sydney. It was a really good game. Um, Charlie Kernoak scored six goals, which I'm really happy about. Durden kicked two. Um, Fisher kicked two. And Fisher kicked the goal that we really needed, so I'm really happy about that. The umpires were really bad. There was two um, holding the balls and high tackles that the umpires didn't see. Um, uh, Motlop kicked a goal. Uh, Kennedy kicked a goal. Matthew Owies kicked a goal. Um, Sam Walsh got 34 um, disp- disposals and Jack um, George Hewitt got um, 32. Um, Sam Doherty did good. Um, he got 
uh, bumped it really hard by the Sydney player, and I don't they were the free kick. Durden um got a free fifty, and he messed it up really bad, which I'll, nobody was happy about. Um, and overall, the umpires were really bad, and Sydney got a lot of free kicks. So that's why I thought um, thought about the game. And Zach Fisher is having a very, a great season. Go the Blues. She actually told me that she didn't because um, she touched Cripps' hand. Well, you know, how she, she went down to the, to the gate. Yep. She touched Cripps' hand. She hasn't washed it yet. <laughs> she came running back. She was that excited. She goes, I touched Cripper, I touched Walshie. She was wrapped. She was wrapped. And she kissed her palm. She kissed her palm. <laughs> yeah, genuinely. I turned around and I saw her just give a little peck to her palm. She loves it. She loved it. It was sensational. Oh, so good. Mind. So good. But we move on. And this is one of those ones when the fixture gets released pre-season. There's a few teams you look at. You know we've got Richmond round one, tick. We've got them a second time this year, tick. You know we're going to face Essendon at some point, tick. But then there's this filth that we come up against every year. And we've got them twice this year. This is the first meeting of two. Round 11, 3.20 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon at the MCG. Classic time slot for a classic rivalry. The ledger is square between the two of us on wins. So this, whoever wins this, Goes back in front after a 150-year rivalry. That's an insane Carlton versus Collingwood. I know. Versus Con- I know. It's crazy. Crazy stuff. 128 apiece. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Carlton versus Collingwood, boys. Now, I'm nervous. I'm not going to lie coming into this game because the Pies have just come off a big win in the West over Freo. Massive upset. Probably outside of maybe Gold Coast beating Sydney, I'd call that probably the upset of the year, to be fair. I don't think anyone would have picked that. Um, Joe... Form is irrelevant coming into in games. These games in these games, form is always irrelevant. I agree. Memories against this mob, boys, before we get stuck in. Memories. I reckon one of my favourite was Daisy Thomas. Do you remember that little little goose step that he sold a yes. few years back to kick the sealer? I can't remember the player that bought it, but, geez, they bought a lot of stock in that step, didn't they? Because <laughs> they went <laughs> <laughs> but that I remember, was that Daisy had a couple of rough years, but and he was a little bit maligned. And then he, he won everyone over. And then I think he, that was a real crowd, crowd favorite moment when he, when he was that was to... that was at their 150th celebration, wasn't it? Was it really? Yeah. I think it was. Yeah, makes it even better. I wasn't aware of that. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, that was a good win. Oh, you got a niche one. Um, I've got a niche memory. Yeah, I do. I do. And I remember being there at the G with my dad before before the stand was uh, I can't remember what stand it is. It's not the great it's not the great southern stand. It's I think it's the northern stand before the northern stand was done. Is it the northern stand where remember if you sat right in the nosebleeds, you could literally look over the other side of the MCG and see the ground from like yeah. outside. Do you remember yeah. remember those seats? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was oh four. I'm pretty sure we beat him that day. I'm pretty sure we did. Uh, and I remember a halftime melee and Fev started it. And I remember being up in these nosebleeds and watching Fev. I think someone got hit off the ball on the siren. And I remember watching Fev steam from inside 50 to the middle of the ground and just 
absolutely go through a Collingwood player, and it was all in. It was generally – I just remember it being all in at that point. I'm pretty sure it was 04. First meeting that we had in 04, and then I think it was in the, the last round that year, we actually – Hey. Sorry, I was I was going to say it wasn't the, the game that he didn't he kick like seven and a half to get over the get us over the line once it wasn't nah, that game. I don't think so. That was that was a bit later. I think that was in 08 where he did that. But okay. later in 04, in the last round of that year, I remember going to the footy with Sylvan Jules with Jules and his dad, and we beat him by a point in the last round. I remember that. I think we won wow. ten games in 04. So that was a that was a decent year. But they're my niche ones. They're my niche ones. Yeah. I got one every week. I think I've got. I don't have any particularly niche games. I was saying to you, I haven't actually been to a Carlton Collingwood game in a few years. Yes. So I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing for this Sunday. It's going to be a long bloody week. But the, the one that I, I always hated, because he's obviously a, a favourite son of ours, was Sherrod Wellingham and Cade Simpson. Yep. That was, that's, that's one of the most sickening blows I've seen. And the way that – I don't know if you remember when Cade was on the ground, he kind of had a stiff neck. And I was like, shit, that actually looks like – Genuinely bad. Like yeah, he was in that. He was in that position where he's where his hands. Yeah. Like, I remember his hands, um, like just cramping up, like that sickening, con- like concussion position where you just see it and go, "Oh my god, I hope yeah. he, I just hope he's all right." That was that was in the week where there was a massive build up around Simo as well in in this game, where uh, he was on a massive game streak. That was that was he missed four it weeks. Was, wasn't that. it? Yeah, yeah, it was. And, that was the first time he'd missed time for like eight years or something from memory. Sherrod Wellingham. Dog. But, hey, I mean, we could talk about this mob forever. Dead set. They make my blood boil. They make all of our blood boil. We're eight and two. They're five and five. Not to they be underestimated, though. I know, you said, I know you said form's got nothing to do with it, Pov, in these games, and it's true. Whether it's Essendon, and Richmond, Collingwood, it doesn't, it doesn't matter on form. But I'm telling you now... They're going to be up for this in a big way after that win against Frio. And I'm happy for you to disagree and, and convince me otherwise, but this is going to be a cracker. I feel like this is going to be a uh, cracker. I think regardless of their result, obviously with them coming up, they'll be full of confidence coming off a win against Frio. I just think at the end of the day, if they had a lost that game against Frio, they want to ruin our party. They want to ruin, they want to ruin what's going on at Carlton. So they're going to bring mm-hmm. it. Um, personally, for me, I don't rate them. I don't. I really, really don't think they're a good side. I don't. Um, but in saying that, they've got some players that can hurt us. Um, again, Ginnivan's one. That's why I put this mm. message out to Stocker. Let him know you're playing with men. <laughs> Let him know early. Make him scared. That make him scared that you're going to come from any direction, mate. Stocker. He doesn't, he doesn't need. He doesn't need to go far to ask. He can just ask his old mate, Majek. What it feels like to run into Liam Stocker. Yeah. <laughs> you can show him the bill. Put him in hospital. I, imagine if Terry said this today. Uh, he goes, imagine if Jack Ginnivan tries to – did you see against Frio in front of their cheer squad? He he, uh, he celebrated yeah. real early. Imagine he tries to do that on Sunday. I'm telling you now, I'll jump the fence. You'll see me jump the fence. Oh, you, know that, you know that drum that you can yeah. hear in the cheer squad? Yeah. They'll come flying at him, I reckon. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Uh, hey, this is going to have some serious bite, this game. Like, I think it's because we haven't been up and about as a football side coming up against yeah. Collingwood for a long time. 
it's their home game. There's going to be a large Carlton contingent of supporters regardless. We just know that. It's been like that every single week. It's going to be 80,000 plus there on a Sunday afternoon. Hopefully the weather's good. But you can just feel already in the build-up to this game, there's going to be something that happens. Like you just know there's just going to be something that happens. This is, this is much like must-watch as a neutral Forget about being a Carlton or Collingwood supporter. As a neutral, if you're not if you're not tuning into this game, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, hundred percent. I reckon the best thing about it, and it, as much as it feels shocking to say this, I'm kind of glad they've got their tails up. Like they're just for the for the sake of the spectacle of what Sunday is going to be. We've got our tails up. We're feeling good. They've got their tails up. They're feeling good. Everyone's coming in with a full head of confidence. It's going to be awesome. I, I'm I'm honestly excited. And if I was a neutral supporter, I'd be pumped for it. This oh, is a, yeah. this. It feels like a genuine finals atmosphere, really, when you think about yeah. it. And we haven't even started with the media build-up this week. Like we're recording this on a Monday night before all the footy shows and whatnot start up. They are gonna. They're genuinely gonna lap this up this week in the lead up to this game. Key matchups. There's one player I want to talk about for Collingwood, who has made us look silly over the past couple of years at times, but he's come under fire. Darcy Moore. Now. I've watched footage of Darcy Moore. I've watched him closely after the, uh, I guess, poor feedback that he's been that he's been given from media and whatnot. He genuinely gives his forward space. He does yeah. this. He always he does. does it. But without a Jordan Roughhead next to him, he's exposed. Now I tell you what, Darcy, if, if on the off chance that you come across this, please give Charlie space. I dare, <laughs> I dare you to give Charlie even an inch of space because he's going to make you look below second rate, below. I'll tell you what, if, if he doesn't pull his finger out, Darcy Moore this week, and go, I need to be accountable for my man. I'm not a playmaker this week. I'm accountable for my man and my man only, and I'm just going to spoil. I don't care if I get zero touches. If, he, if that's not the mentality that this bloke's got going into this game, Charlie Kerno is about to have a field day. I mean, he might have a field day regardless. In the form, he's in. in the form, he's in. Darcy's probably doing his homework. He's probably got the glasses on right now under the study lamp, doing his homework, and he might get a bath anyway. Joe, to be honest, <laughs> that's the way. That's the way Charlie's feeling. But I agree with you because I mean, he got he got given an absolute soaking by Tom Lynch a couple of weeks ago, and he was playing that role where he's like, "I'm going to get my 2025 and be the, you know, pretty sort of." impressive-looking, attacking defender, but it, when it doesn't work, it makes you look a right fool. And I reckon it's going to happen on, on Sunday if that's the approach that he takes. So for our sake, I hope he does it, but I can't imagine he will. Because Charlie's put the comp on notice for like about a month straight right now. So. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Boys, do we think Jack Martin will be right? I hope so. I hope so, because I feel like that they've got... I was going to mention this, actually, that... I think the, the reason I worry about this game is that Collingwood have a number of players that play for the occasion and they've just gotten another one this year with um, with Ginnivan. And I think that as much as some people can be frustrated by Jack Martin's inconsistencies, I think when, when the moment calls for it and when the occasion is pretty large, you can generally rely on him to give you 10 or 15 minutes where he has four or five score involvements and sets us up for a little bit of little bit of in-game success. So I hope he's going to be right to play because I think we need as many occasion players as they've got. And they've got guys like, you know, Sidebottom, Dugowie, Ginevan now, Darcy Moore, who is, we were just joking about, but he's a, he's a heck of a player and he usually senses the moment pretty well. So I hope he's going to be right. I, think the fact I hope that, so. I think the fact that he's overhead 
he is very, very strong. Will help. Is something that we need, I think, against the Pies. You know, he pretty much acts as another tall. Hey, with how good the he is, is, is. The question is, if he's ready, who goes out from that side against the Swans? Because he can't drop Dirds, he can't drop Fisher, he can't drop. Okay. Well, I was going to say you can't drop Cottrell, Motlop, Dirge, Owen, Carol. Fish. Yeah. I think Carroll's going to be. Carroll's game is being. Sorry, I'm going to jump in here because I actually screenshot some stats because his game go. is actually been a little bit underrated. I feel. Here we go. So Carroll pushed. He's pushed a bit more forward, obviously. So that's why we're talking about him as sort yeah. of that guy that goes out for Martin. Since his debut, he's getting involved in the play. So he's had an equal. An equal team high of seven marks against Sydney, which I didn't realise. And I think yeah, he might well. have had six or seven score involvements, and he's had twenty marks across his four games, which yeah, is well. ranking as elite. So that's five marks a game. Well, wow. he's ranking elite in marks, kicks, clearances, and goal assists, and he's above average in disposals, effective kicks, effective disposals, inside fifties, intercepts, and meters gained. So I think, as much as we want Martin in, do you just think, hey, we've got one here? Reese has genuinely just put together the biggest case for Jack Carroll I've ever seen. And how's this? He's actually just, he's actually just changed my mind. I was, I was going to roll with Jack Carroll as well, but after hearing that, my God. I mean, so just against Sydney, against Sydney, yeah, I, I took a screenshot because um, I thought this was a ripper and I was just sitting on the couch going, I'm going to bring this up tonight and blow the boys' minds. <laughs> pretend it's mine. <laughs> but he had an equal team high seven marks, which I said, and an equal team fourth, three inside 50s. 274 metres gained, which isn't huge, but as a, you know, playing that forward role, that's pretty yeah. good. Two score involvements and one goal assist. So a quiet game for him, but he's obviously an impact player, right? He doesn't need much of it to, to have an impact. Well, so he's, do you just leave him in? So then that's who does fair. come out the Martin is a good question. If it's not him, for me, then it's it's Cottrell. Like he's the, he's the next he's the next player that you look at. But even Cottrell was position. good. But he was Even good too. That's what I'm saying. Like someone's going to be stiff to miss out if Jack Martin's ready. Someone's going to be stiff. Yeah. And it might be Carol, to be honest. He's probably the natural selection to go out, but you can make a pretty damn good case for him. You just made him. a damn good case for yeah. him. Like, you've changed my mind. Oh, now I'm at <laughs> now I'm at sixes and sevens. I don't know where I don't know where to go from there. I'm <laughs> speechless because I was I'm speechless because I thought we we're all gonna all agree <laughs> and then move on. <laughs> <laughs> now, before yeah. we finish off. With our match predictions, each year, well, I say each year, but each time we've come across these blokes, we've had a bit of banter with Swoop, Swoop Luke. Last year in the second game, I called him out and I said, if we win, you're going to give us five minutes on the Blues and you're going to tell us how good we are. And he did. And he did. Now, Swoop, and I'll post this on Instagram as our preview, just so he does hear it. And I'll put the call out. I haven't consulted anyone in this podcast about this, right? This is a surprise for everyone here, but this is this is the wager on this game to make it real interesting. Swoop, if we win, you buy a three-game membership for our football club. <laughs> and, you, and, and, and you show us that you've bought it. I want to see it. Video, video, photo format, whatever. On the flip side, and this is where I'm going to put the wager to you boys that are involved in this podcast. If they win, we buy a three-game membership for the Collingwood Football Club. Do we get to split it three ways? Of course we do. One, one game. <laughs> it's one membership. <laughs> Thoughts? Yeah, I mean. Well, I guess we have to just to see Swoop do it. That's it. That's the wager. So, Swoop. 
that's that's what I'm putting out there. If you want to get involved, you let us know. You'll see it on the Instagram. Let's see how it pans out. That could be one that really hurts whoever loses this bet. That's going to hurt. That'll really hurt. So I don't mind it. Don't mind it. With that said, match predictions, boys. You go, Dan. Carlton by 35. Strong. Yeah, I was, I was going to say Blues by 19. I reckon it's going to be a pretty good match. I'm saying Blues by four goals. And we'll blitz them at some point, but they'll come back. They'll come back. I think we'll see a similar blitz to what we saw Friday. Uh, but we should have them by four goals. So let's hope so, because we've got something quite significant on this game now with Swoop, hopefully, if he, if he accepts. Boys, until next week. Reese, you might join us next week. I think Jules, I think Jules is gone. I'll let you know. If it's not you, it's someone else. This chair keeps rotating. So if we lose that you, bet, you might lose my number, I reckon, Joe. So don't bank on that. <laughs> hey? I said if we lose this bet, you might lose my phone number. So don't bank uh, on that. Oh, Joe, it's easy because all we'll do is if we lose the bet and we have to buy the membership, we just give it to Lauren because she goes for the pies. That's it. There you go. And we will be there. All three of us will be there. We've got a big group going on Sunday. So if you do see us at the ground, come say hi. If you don't and you don't want to say hi, that's fine as well. I don't really really care. (laughs) Until next week, boys, up the baggers. Up the baggers. Up the baggers. baggers.